Hello and welcome to the second of our three-part video summary series examining all you need to know when it comes to analysing poems in the Love and Relationships AQA anthology. Make sure you check out video number one where we look at the first grouping of poems and in this video we'll look at the second group of poems and analyse their structure, language as well as the background of the authors themselves. In the anthology, the poem uh, for The Farmer's Bride, written by Charlotte Mew, is featured. And in terms of the poem itself, the speaker begins by stating that he was married three years ago, but his wife was afraid of him. He marries a very young maid, and we learn from the narrator that she's incredibly innocent and not ready for marriage. However, in many ways, she is forced into marriage as she had no choice in it. Now she lives with the speaker in his attic. However, she doesn't speak to him and she will not be with him romantically. And the poem closes by showing the speaker's frustration as he wants to be with this woman. The author herself, Charlotte Mew, was a British poet who spanned the Victorian era, but also the early modern era. So this is the early 1900s. And this poem, in many ways, is revealing the critical view she had that women were forced into marriage. They didn't necessarily have the same rights as men. And in this case, the farmer's bride was in many ways forced to lose her innocence in a man's world. Now, when it comes to the structure and language of the poem itself, the poem is made up of six stanzas of different and varying lengths, meaning it's very unpredictable in terms of its structure. And this represents the unpredictability of the farmer's bride herself. It's written mainly in iambic tetrameter, and this therefore conveys that the farmer feels that his bride is not predictable. Now, the poem is all written in dramatic narrative and it's all from the speaker, the farmer's point of view. Again, showing just how empowered he was, which is the direct contrast with how disempowered his wife was. In terms of the language, the poet uses dialect words that sound authentic to a farmer. This gives the reader a stronger feeling of his character. The speaker also uses a lot of words related to nature, especially about his wife. He compares her to very fragile and very young creatures to really emphasise her fragility and her innocence. This serves to make her also seem, on the other hand, to be a little bit wild, like a hunted animal. And, more th and she's more this than a human that's not interested in him. The attitudes explored are desire and frustration as the farmer wants to be with his wife. However, he's very sexually frustrated because she refuses to be with him. Walking Away is another important poem within this anthology and it's a poem by C. D. Day Lewis. The poem itself uh, features a father who's reflecting on his child when he was younger. The father recounts that 18 years ago, his son was playing football and he recounts this as a very pivotal moment in his memories of his son. In the second part of the poem, the speaker realises that his son has now grown up and all parents and children must part inevitably, even if they are inevitably drawn together through their experiences together. And the father seems very sad to see that his son has grown up and he has drifted away as he becomes older. In terms of the author himself, Cecil Day-Lewis was an Anglo-Irish poet in the mid-1900s. So this is a modern poem. 
In terms of structure, the poem is written in four stanzas of five lines each. And the poem has an A-B-A-C-A rhyme scheme, which is steady and reflects the father's steady love, even if he is sad that his son has grown up and grown independent of him. The first two stanzas are a memory and the second two a reflection on this memory and what it means. In terms of the language, the poem uses a lot of natural imagery, which shows that the speaker knows that his son is growing up and moving on. And this is a natural process that he will not stand in the way. The poem also uses a lot of painful language like scorching and gnaws to show just how painful growing up and moving on is for the speaker, but also for the son. And the attitudes explored are protectiveness and sadness from loss. And the poem is also reflective and thoughtful as the speaker concludes that this process of growing up and walking away is a natural thing. The poem Letters from Yorkshire by Maura Dooley examines a woman who's describing a man who presumably she's with, but he doesn't necessarily live very close to her. The man is in his garden and sees the first lapwings return and writes to her. Yet the woman is far away, writing inside somewhere, very likely a city or a much more urban area. And there's this direct contrast that's drawn between the more simplistic, natural and rural life that the man lives in the village versus this woman, the life that she lives in a much more complex city, but somehow seems quite hollow. She wonders if his life is more fulfilling and it's more meaningful being so close to nature as opposed to hers. And the speaker really feels a connection to the man and they seem to correspond quite often. The author herself, Maura Dooley, was a British poet and she currently teaches in London. So this is a very modern poem. In terms of the structure of the poem, it's written in free verse. It's unpredictable. It's made of five lines of three stanzas each. And the free verse really makes the poem sound like a natural speech. It's a stream of consciousness from the author's perspective, or rather from the narrator's perspective. The first three stanzas highlight the difference between the man and the woman. So the man's lifestyle in the village versus the woman's lifestyle in the city, which is much more urban. While the last two stanzas talk about how actually they're still very connected. In terms of language, the speaker uses very physical language in describing the man. He seems to be very much doing the labour, grafting, working hard, tilling the land, whilst she's sitting behind presumably a computer typing away words and this really contrasts her life to the man's life and she wonders whether the more natural village life which is perhaps harder is also a little bit more romantic but equally a little bit more fulfilling. In terms of the attitudes there seems to be an appreciation for nature and the speaker feels very connected to the man and is appreciative of his simpler life. Eden Rock is another poem by Charles Causley. And the speaker in this poem imagines his parents when they were younger. He imagines a very specific time when they went for a picnic. And it appears that they're waiting for him beyond the Eden Rocks. So this picnic develops and he's a small child and his father seems very strong. His mother is the homemaker, a very beautiful woman. And suddenly as the poem draws to an end, they are across the Eden Rock, across a large pond and a river from him. And they call to him, telling him to join them and saying that crossing over to them is not as hard as as he thinks. And this may be a metaphor for the parents calling him from heaven in the afterlife. The author Charles Causley was a Cornish poet and he was known for his simplicity and attention to folklore in his writing. In terms of the structure, so the poem is made of five stanzas and all but the last have five lines. 
The final line is separated from the stanza to show that something has changed. Perhaps the speaker may have crossed the river into the afterlife. Maybe he's realised that his parents have died and he no longer is with them. And the first three stanzas describe the speaker's parents, whilst the last two stanzas describe how the speaker's parents are telling him to join them. In terms of language, the speaker uses language about whiteness and light, which could re refer to heaven and create a very surreal scene. He also uses more domestic terms like thermos and HP sauce when he reflects on this picnic that they had. And this element of domesticity really seems to make the poem quite real and very vivid. This memory that he has of his mother is quite vivid to him and of his father. Uh, and it connects us to the physical things within this narrator's childhood. The attitudes explored are nostalgia as the speaker looks back on his childhood really fondly. And the poem is also peaceful almost to the point that it's very surreal. Follower is a poem by Seamus Haney, and in this, the speaker describes his father initially, who appears to be very strong, and he's ploughing, and he's very domineering as a person. And the speaker at the beginning of the poem is a child who really looks up to his father and tries to keep up with him, but he stumbles and his father does not wait for him. However, by the end of the poem, their roles have reversed. It's the father who's now very old and the speaker has come to age. And it's now his father who's aged that follows him. And the speaker perhaps realises that the power has shifted within their relationship. Seamus Haney was an Irish poet and he wrote in the late 1900s and he won a Nobel Prize in literature. Now, in terms of the structure specifically of this poem, it's made up of six stanzas of five lines each and it's written mainly in iambic tetrameter. There's an ABAB -A -B rhyme scheme and the first three stanzas focus on the speaker's father, his strength, his domineering attitude, the fact that this very young narrator at this stage really looks up to him. However, the next two stanzas talk about the boy and him trying to keep up with this father. And the final stanza reverses this. The boy has suddenly grown into a man and his father, who was a very powerful man, has become a very frail and older grandfather and an older man. And the father now struggles to keep up with his son. The speaker uses a lot of nautical imagery to describe the way his father ploughs, such as like a full sail strung and the sod rolled over without breaking, comparing his father to a captain, uh, showing that the speaker thinks very highly of his father. And the attitudes explored are admiration because the speaker just wants to be like his father and he lives in his shadow. Mother Only Distance is another important poem by Simon Armitage. And in this poem, the speaker's mother comes to his home to help him measure things around the house. He's moving out, he's uh, growing up, and his mother, who really supports this, is also help, uh, sad that he's leaving. The speaker appears also to be nervous about moving out on his own, but he knows that his mother will always be there to support him. In terms of the author himself, Simon Armitage is a British writer who was taught at Oxford and Leeds, and his style is known for being very witty and realist. He is a very modern poet, or rather a very modern poet. In terms of the structure of this poem, so the poem is almost a sonnet, which is a very common form of love poetry. However, it lacks the proper rhyme scheme, obviously showing that this isn't a love relationship, but more a very close uh, mother and son relationship. Uh, this can also be used to reflect the speaker's uncertainty at moving out. And the final stanza becomes an evil and even as the lines are random lengths. This can show just how the relationship between the speaker and his mother is breaking apart and it seems uncertain. 
In addition, when it comes to the structure, the first stanza is about how much the speaker needs his mother. The second is about him thinking of his independence. And in the final stanza, the speaker comes to the conclusion that he must become more independent. When it comes to language, the speaker uses measurements as an extended metaphor. The measurement can also represent the distance between the speaker and his mother. And the speaker uses imagery like anchor and kite to describe the bond he has with his mother. And the attitudes expressed within this poem are excitement, fear and connection. So that's it for the second group of poems. If you found this useful, do subscribe and give us a thumbs up. But also, if you are seeking something more detailed in terms of revision worksheets and cheat sheets to really help you in your studies of this anthology, do make sure you check out our website, www.firstratetutors.com, which features a very detailed worksheet that um, also reveals some model answers when it comes to analysing this poem. Also, don't forget to come back for part three, which summarises the final poems remaining within this anthology. Thank you for listening.